Something are you else. at work? I, did they make you go back into the office? Oh, are you is yeah. are you watching this? <laughs> Red flag for an employer. <laughs> Indeed.com. I don't know if you heard, but this podcast is now sponsored. So before we get into the episode, let me tell you about our sponsor. I Love That Ad is proudly sponsored by IRS Plus, the one-stop shop for expert local radio planning and media agnostic brand solutions. If you have a media brief, you need to speak to IRS Plus. Go to irsplus.ie or mail hello at irsplus.ie for more. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love That Ad. I am your host Shane W. Brennan, joined as always by my colleague Aaron Chalk for a very unspecial episode with no guest. Yeah, not special How's it going, Aaron? Stop listening now. Yeah, whatever you do, if you keep listening, you're just gonna hear about something you're probably on really the bus. pointless. You're probably on the bus. Yeah. You probably you can't get bus. your phone to switch over to. Are you else. at work? I did. They make you go back into the office. Oh, are you? Is yeah. are you watching this? <laughs> Red flag for an employer. <laughs> Indeed. dot com. <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by. Um, no, all joking aside, we are back with another free gaff, and. As I said, this is different to the ones with the guests. That's just myself and Aaron bring one each and we give a bit of insight into why we love the ad and the background of the ad. So without further ado, we're just going to kick straight, straight into it. In. Aaron, what have you brought? Oh, straight in. I brought, uh, again, it's it's this, like my one last week, this is um, less of a specific ad and more of a campaign. And it is mm-hmm. along the theme of collabs which is winning advertising at the minute is off the wall collabs and this is uh the barbie marketing campaign one of the biggest campaigns uh dare i say it not just of the year but of the decade uh incredibly successful campaign. an incredibly successful campaign and not only because of success would it be uh remiss of us not to talk about it but also it was just a fucking brilliant campaign. Excuse my language, but it, yeah. I loved nearly every step of this campaign. Anytime I came across uh, any Barbie marketing related piece or branding, I absolutely loved it. And uh, we know, we know without a doubt, it has worked, <laughs> worked incredibly mm. successful. Um, so a lot, most of our listeners would have seen some shape or form of this and probably have seen the Barbie movie in itself it did float everyone's linkedin for a couple of weeks exactly but i just uh, i just kind of wanted to name check some of the things that i particularly loved about the campaign because okay. there's no way of covering it all within uh within 10 minutes uh on, on this podcast the bedrock of this campaign that the, the bit that i loved was the collaborations that were at the heart of it and it was collaborations over a hundred different brand collaborations as part of this campaign so from my research i can see it, it seems that when Warner Brothers approached Mattel to do the movie, they paid them a mm-hmm. uh, an undisclosed sum, somewhere within 25 to 50 million to who paid Warner who? Brothers. They paid Mattel? Warner Brothers paid Mattel to, to, to go, that they could go make the movie. And while they were making the movie, Mattel then kicked into gear and spent 18 months approaching obviously hundreds of brands for collaborations that would, uh, that would launch when the movie launch because they see Mattel see that their a lot of their brand growth is outside of the toy aisle it's in pop culture it's with adults it's with uh, mm-hmm. teens uh, and so forth 
and we're after witnessing the fruits of that labor over the over the summer um a lot of the agreements that would have been in place were either a flat licensing fee for using uh, barbie uh licensed branding and imagery or a percentage of the cut of sales so a five to fifteen percent cut um some of the the notable ones there's a lot of clothing wear and apparel partnerships like there's a lot of them there's zara there is balmain Pennies? gap forever 21 there is and that's that's just a fraction of them but then there's and, and that kind of makes mm-hmm. sense you can see that you know how there's a natural fit there but then there's like bigger ones which are a little bit more odd but no less enjoyable to witness uh the likes of the xbox series s uh, so they had a partnership where they had a special uh, Barbie edition Xbox uh, and that was housed in a Malibu Barbie house. There was a number of interchangeable controller faces and there's also a limited edition range of Barbie Xbox gamer Barbies that were you could win as prizes. But then it also infiltrated infiltrated the games themselves. So there's a you get Barbie's car in Forza game. Uh, and different things like that so was, there's a lot of layers going on just to that partnership alone um mm-hmm. the biggest one i think that most people would have seen would be the airbnb malibu dream house uh and after <laughs> there's i saw the the ken version of it so you you could there's only two limited stays here there's two one one time stays that people could uh that you could get and the version of it that I'm after looking at the pictures of more recently is Ken's version. So in the narrative, Barbie's gone away, gone away. So it's you're staying at Ken's dream house. And after seeing the film, mm-hmm. that makes way more sense now. And a lot of the, a lot of the kind of fun points in the film and and how Ken does the dream house in the film are translated directly into, <laughs> into this Airbnb house. So the, the universe is quite tight in terms of the rules and and kind of. Yeah. crossing from screen into real world which which absolutely uh, i absolutely love that um so they're 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 kind of the, the two big ones and then then the actual as themselves so like on social there was the template of the the movie poster template where you'd have one of the versions of barbie and this barbie is present this barbie is a doctor this barbie is a nurse and how them templates were put out there and people took them on their own or were able to put themselves in it on social and kind of make their own version of it. And then there's the my personal favorite, my highlight for the entire entire campaign is the Barbie out of home posters. That's just the Barbie pink with the date of the film release. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And this that like that's just like the creme de la creme of out of home. And if you can get your brand that recognizable and that kind of in the zeitgeist that you don't even need to put the the brand name there. It's just it's just perfect, uh, and we haven't even talked about the Barbenheimer effect and how they leveraged Oppenheimer coming out on the same day in its own right. This is all just Barbie specific stuff. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love it. I know there's loads I didn't even touch on there. Um, but as I said at the start, we all know it's highly successful, highest grossing film of twenty twenty three, one point three six billion worldwide, seventeenth on the all time, uh, chart in terms of highest grossing and is the highest grossing movie ever for Warner Brothers. So it's uh the results fairly speak for themselves. Yeah, it it's a really hard campaign to even wrap your head around. Yeah. There was yeah. so many aspects of it like you which is amazing, which kind of has that kind of 
spray and pray, gun and run type situation to it, but also because they took their time, it's very calculated, mm -hmm. but it feels mass and all-consuming. It's actually very strategic, which I thought was pretty impressive. Like, for example, there's some elements wouldn't have worked without others. The billboards wouldn't have worked without all the other stuff going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, they lean on others, but then the Airbnb Ken house would have worked if that's all they did. You know what I mean? There's some, I think there's some linchpin activations mm -hmm. that are transcend kind of what they're doing. But then there's some that are, like, complementary. And they're just like, oh, yeah, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Um I think it's yeah I think it's it's it was an incredibly impressive campaign and it really reminded me apart from the we stay away from the Barbenheimer stuff for a sec because that's a, that's a different that's layer its own, that's its own um, thing that's its own thing right that no one really could have properly planned for with everyone getting behind it um it reminded me of Deadpool in 2016 it reminded me of that advertising campaign for Deadpool, where this film, which kind of wasn't supported by anything else. If anything, I was only reading the other day about Gosling talking about how um, Deadpool was canned and then they leaked the footage. He was like, we, we're still trying to figure Reynolds, out it was the not, anniversary. Not Reynolds, sorry. And Reynolds was like, we're still trying to investigate who leaked the fucking footage in 2017. I'm 70% sure it wasn't me. And fans went crazy and that forced them to green light that film. And the reason, and I don't know if you remember all the advertising around that film, it was all maximum effort, like classic. It was Ryan Reynolds showing he knew how to do advertising before he had an advertising, essentially, company. All the emoji stuff, all the really, like he did loads of really interesting Deadpool ads. And the reason actually in that film that uh, there's no big gunfight at the end is because, you know, at the end he like leaves his guns in the cab when he shows up and he's like, we're going to have a big fuck off gunfight. It's because they realized their overall budget included the advertising spend. So they had to cut the final scene, the final action scene from them that was going to cost loads of VFX money. So literally they just wrote it was like, he just leaves the guns in the cab and we're going to change it to a sword fight. <laughs> and that's why, because they already realized like into shooting, it's like, wait, this is advertising too. And they understood the importance of advertising the film, but it just felt like Barbie kind of, came out of fucking nowhere and did this all this amazing stuff just like what Deadpool did at the time it just yeah. came out, and Deadpool was the highest grossing film of 2016 it worked then as well um, and, and it all kind of kicked off from when the trailer dropped from there it started drip feeding all the collabs that were were being announced that were coming so people were like the, the trailer for Barbie really peaked interest going want to see that that looks cool I want to go see it, and then that was kind of that was kind of like tipping the tipping the marble, and then it started sliding, and everything else kind of helped build it, build the momentum up. You know, mm. the different collabs, different versions of the trailers being being dropped, the Barbenheimer thing starting to to kick into force. So like, it all kind of started so that the backbone is still traditional film marketing, and then it just. It went like, on steroids. Yeah. Oh no, no, it did. Like a load of activations, which was really cool. Which is which works for the Barbie brand because Barbie has done everything. Yeah. Barbie has been a, so it works. She, the brand, the character has the right to be everywhere because there is a Barbie version of everything. So like, I just thought that kind of bringing that because you can have these almost like upside down crossovers between Barbie Land and the real world because. 
Barbie has they mirror each other done really everything. Well. Yeah, yeah, like they've done everything. So like, well, no, I just mean in a sense that like you could have done posters at a fucking GP's office because Barbie's been a doctor. Do, do you know what I? Found, you know what I mean? Do you know what I found really interesting actually? I I went to the cinema a lot around around Barbie Oppenheimer mm-hmm. time, and. You know, you see in like the big cinemas and you see people online where they're getting in the Barbie box and they're getting their picture in the Barbie box. The Dundrum elevator is another great example of yeah, a lovely yeah, yeah. bit of out of home. It was nice to see it executed in Ireland, actually, yeah. to be honest with you. I really was happy to see it that. It was really nice. But the cinemas I was going to, in particular uh, in, in the West, they're like small cinemas that didn't get any assets apart from their poster. But mm-hmm. they made their own. So they all kind of... It was like its own street party where you could see, you could see clear pop up stands for different films, and they just mm-hmm. painted them pink. And like someone tried the Barbie B, like and did that on the windows. There's like loads of homemade, yeah, merchandising yeah. done for the Barbie knockoff. It w- but That's it was like cool. it was kind of nice to see as well because it's like, like the knockoff prime bottle stuff. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. But it was like okay, well they're coming to cinema. Everyone's here for Barbie, right? Let's make a bit of an effort here. That's what it felt like. It was like, let's make a bit of an effort. We yeah, didn't get yeah. sent loads of stuff. So let's just get a load of pink balloons and get some tins of paint and let's see what happens. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I kind of like that. It was kind of lovely. I know. And it was, it was, look, it was its own behemoth. I don't think we'll see anything. I think they're going to try and replicate the Barbenheimer thing again. But I don't think it'll ever be replicated. Do that, that was like, one of the, I wanted to see the film anyway, but I, I went the week it came out because of it being it felt like a cultural moment so i was like oh, okay i want to experience this in the release week and i'm glad i did i missed the screening yeah. because and I, i'm i'm one of many people have heard missed the time that they're screening and you know i like to be early to the cinema i was 15 minutes early for the screening still couldn't get in the front door 15 minutes after it started so half an hour later yeah. I'm still outside the door so now you're describing why i've seen neither film um, because could I give a fuck to sit there with all those people and watch that film? Like, fair play to you. Cultural moment and all that. But uh, no, no. I'll see the films when I have time to see the films. But Jesus Christ, I couldn't so have not even Barbenheimer can convince Shane W. Brennan to venture out on opening weekend. Good to know. Good to know. No, opening weekend is the biggest waste of time in the world. I think it's madness. <laughs> Absolutely madness. From an advertising perspective, fair play to you. No. Fuck no, not doing it. Give me midday of, of a talking. Tuesday the week before it's out of the cinema. <laughs> oh, the the talking, the phones, the idiots who don't know where their seats are. People actually adhering to booking seats because it's so full. It's like, oh, mother of God, don't let me anywhere near this. Um, But, uh, but no, I was really impressed with everything they did. And as well, I thought what was really cool about the whole Barbie thing was that was... That film's taken 14 years to get made. Like, that film... Originally, Amy Schumer was cast as it in 2015 with a completely different writer, and she dropped out in 2017. And, like, I just think... I think there was another version as well that it was meant to be a different film, and I just think it aligned with, with Gerwig mainly kind of at the helm. It just turned it and transcended it into something completely... Who, completely different. Who has become the highest grossing female director of all time in the US as a result of Barbie. And uh, well deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. That's a really good one. That's a really impressive campaign. And it's one of those campaigns that people are going to be trying to imitate mm-hmm. for decades. 
like as you said as a cultural moment it's going to be like a Ridley Scott ad people are going to imitate it mm-hmm. for fucking years <laughs> you know um okay so on to my ad which funny enough kind of is an imitation of its own campaign um this ad is from 1992 it is the ad that spawned um space jam in 1996 from nike let's give it a watch Peter Rabbit, can we sleep around here? What's all the racket? What's up? I was only kidding. Gruesome, ain't it? (laughs) Of course you know, this means war. Here, Jordan, and here, Jordan. Who'd you expect? You're my friend? Nice shot. Nice shot. This floors them every time. <laughs> you who's <laughs> nice shorts. This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's all, folks. Well, that's my line. Never saw that before. Okay. So, yeah, that is, um, it was for the launch of, um, the Air Jordan 7s in 1992. So Nike had done, it was Whedon and Kennedy. Uh, Nike had done an awful lot of stuff with Jordan, obviously. Um, and this kind of came from the brainchild of, uh, creative director, Jim, uh, Rizwald, who very famous, um, creative director, um, in WK, he it's kind of a play on a replacement of i don't know if you remember you will have you will know these but the the mars blackman character which is spike lee's character you know spike lee directed the ads with michael jordan there's like a shorter guy who's like adam so that character's name is is mars blackman um so they wanted to get away from that but they still want him wanted michael buddied Mm -hmm. okay so they kind of decided it kind of came from Jim or as Michael Jordan called him Rizzy um's love of just looney tunes and being a complete kind of um cartoonophile um just wanting to work with Bugs Bunny and thinking that this could be uh a- an interesting thing to do and he also was annoyed that like he hadn't seen the real Bugs Bunny in years like that's more pure Bugs Bunny like the anvil like aren't dressing up and being like aren't they silly like that real kind of wacky Bugs Bunny almost like vaudeville type of character yeah it's and so he he wanted to bring it to life um just to, as he said he wrote a piece I think for the New York Times saying about he got to meet Bugs Bunny and he goes look you get to work with Michael Jordan all the time but you only get to work with fucking Bugs Bunny when you work with fucking Bugs Bunny is <laughs> what he said like so um, and this obviously, they did another version of this um, with Bugs Bunny, and then in 1996, this is Space Jam. So this is where Space Jam came from. Wow. Um, he was a little bit involved in the film. He wasn't happy with the way, like he's completely obsessed with the Looney Tunes. He wasn't happy with the way that, like, he goes Tweety Bird and Sylvester aren't friends. Like he's not like he's 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 proper like 
he's into it you he's know like he has uh, like his canon bible and he's like this is this is against yeah all this the doesn't rules. make this is, yeah you're not staying true to the rules you know um but he would have worked on like campaigns like do you know bo with bo jackson tiger wood campaigns for nike like he mainly worked on nike and he brought this ad and i just i love this ad for a couple of reasons i love anything with michael jordan and two i just love the fact that it spawned out of a creative's love for something else. Um, and when they were looking for an iconic brand to just look, for, let's do something different, but still would strategically work that they got to lean on a dream job, which was to co like to kind of write some Bugs Bunny, you know, put it in this interesting environment, do something completely new with the character that hadn't been done before. And then like proof that that pays off is that turns into a movie in 1996 that grosses $238 million. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, that's just from him. That's his, his idea, his thing. Like, I think he got a couple of days, and I don't know what he, um, I don't know what the payout or any of that situation was on the film happening. I doubt there was any, but I know he worked for a couple of days on the film and got kicked off it because he was giving it so much. <laughs> um, that's great. But... Yeah, so I just for me, I just think it's um, it's a really really cool ad. Um, it's just something that I'm just really impressed with his love for the character, what it turned into then, and kind of it being proven right, and just doing something completely different. You know, completely really interesting, leaning on what would have been relatively very new technology around them. Well, not new, obviously Mary Poppins would have done it, but. Apart from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there's not really much mainstream success in kind of mixing that animation and real life action, you know, apart from then Space Jam does it in four years later. So it was a really interesting proof of concept um, that went really, really well. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, it's quite funny as well. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great ad. Uh, well, once you have a pun in there, and they call out. The oh, phone. I was just gonna say, hair Jordan's like fuck it, like that's gonna sell it. Like, he's take my money. He's not a hair either. He's a rabbit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're completely different. Uh, yeah, no, but, that's, uh, that, that's brilliant. Um, uh, I was just gonna before you, we I watched that. I was gonna say we should ban you from bringing sports apparel ads uh from the 90s and early noughties but you know what i'm glad you brought that one so uh, i give you a pass on that one i give you a if pass. i get banned from bringing sports parallel ads you're not allowed to bring an ad over 60 seconds i've already stopped bringing long ads yeah instead you're bringing huge campaigns that we can't even wrap our head around <laughs> pick a lane shane pick a lane yeah <laughs> there's a there's um, a there's a five and a half minute ad that uh, i haven't been allowed to bring on the podcast because uh because it nearly uh, gave Shane a, an aneurysm, but um, someday, someday, I'll bring it. When it's a free well, gaff just with me, I, you know, I'm going to record an episode and and uh, put it out there rogue, and you're not even going to realize it's out there as if <laughs> as if you'd edit an episode. <laughs> it's just going to it's going to be live stream, and I'm going to I'm going to print That's out the I love that ad logo, hold it up in front of the camera, and then ring it. This all sounds believe like trying to like mouth the theme song. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord okay on those uh eccentric notes and we all look forward to that episode Aaron. Uh, i'll believe it when i see it um 
uh, that is it for another episode of I Love That Ad. If you are listening and you want to go watch, go to workwithfoe.ie forward slash podcast. And if you are on any way that you can rate, like, comment, whatever, do all the good stuff. We really appreciate it. Um, okay, for another week. See you, everyone. I Love That Ad is proudly sponsored by IRS Plus, the one-stop shop for expert local radio planning and media agnostic brand solutions. If you have a media brief, you need to speak to IRS Plus. Go to irsplus.ie or mail hello at irsplus.ie for more.